Call the roll, 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 call the of America, Superman, here, Aquaman, here, Wonder Woman, here, Flash, here, Metamorpho, here, Plastic Man, here, and Batman, here, yeah, here they come, hey, look out, jump into Justice League, the Justice League, superheroes all, always on the ball, it's the Justice League, the Justice League, it takes big trouble with a capital B, a super colossal calamity, a tremendous, stupendous catastrophe, to bring them all out swinging, and when they're swinging, man, they're bringing big trouble with a capital T, for any suit up super enemy, on earth or in space or land or sea, hey, do they put on a show, anywhere the four winds blow, when they get the call, watch them go, the Justice League. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me, as always, my co-host, the team joiner, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I am broadcasting 22,300 miles in geosynchronous orbit above New Jersey. It's very exciting. <laughs> you know, I tried to use that on somebody the other the other day. We were talking about, like, satellites or something. I'm like, well, aren't they 22,000 miles, 22,300 miles above us? And they're like, what? <laughs> what? Huh? Nerd. That even, like, that doesn't even make sense. I'm like, I, maybe it's comic. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, make it, I made it up. Um, anyway. <laughs> We are here to talk about some Justice League, if it's not obvious, folks. But before we do, in the same vein of Justice League, i got to mention, folks, they just announced last week, at least as of this recording, that Firestorm, that guy who catches fire, will be in the new Injustice video game. So Injustice 2, Firestorm, will be a playable character. They have released uh, some single screenshots. They have released a sort of, what I guess, a trailer, if you will, of him kicking the crap out of Green Arrow. Uh, it's super fun. Now, it is the Jason Rush version of Firestorm. However, they've taken some liberties with the costume, and he really looks a lot more reminiscent of the Jacks version of him on Legends of Tomorrow. And, and he even displays his powers in such a way, sort of like Firestorm does in the TV show. So I'm sure there'll be one of those, you know, alternate skins where you can make him the Legends of Tomorrow version as well, probably. But uh, super excited to have Firestorm there and get having him, uh, you know, part of the Justice League and beating the crap out of some Justice League people. Now, my stepson plays these Injustice video games. He, he loves it. So he's already excited to get Injustice 2. And now I have a reason to let him beat up on be in the video game on a, on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> the cat's in the cradle in the suit. <laughs> now, uh, Aquaman's been in these games. I've played Aquaman a couple times. It's kind of fun. You, sh- you should check these out because, like, the setting being in Atlantis and <laughs> he has some special moves that are just amazing and super fun. And it's, uh, it's fun. Like, one of the alternate skins is your favorite, the Flashpoint Aquaman. And uh, <laughs> What a selling uh, point for me I to know, play I, this I, game. I, I know. But you know what, uh, Rob? You know you'd also be a transformer. <laughs> oh man! You, do, do you remember that game, um... Rob? You can be any member of the Legion you want. <laughs> Stop! You're killing me. You can be the Creeper. Um, do you do you remember that game in the '90s? It came out for Sega Genesis called Justice League Task Force, and it was like a side. It was like a Mortal Kombat fighting game. No, <laughs> not, oh, really? I'm not a gamer. I have not played any sort of video game since the days of, uh, you know, the Star Wars game in the or the arcade. So I have no idea really what you're talking about. 
Well, I understand the last gaming I had any proficiency at was on my Commodore 64. Uh, so, but I, I did buy a Sega Genesis, honestly, for this game, Justice League Task Force. And it was like a, a Mortal Kombat kind of thing. And you could fight, and you Superman had long hair, and it was very 90s-ish. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say Aquaman was in it, if I remember correctly. But it's uh, I sucked at it. I was never any good. Everyone beat me. And then, But now this is basically like a really ramped-up version. I thought I'd have like a touchstone for you, but that didn't work. So anyway, folks, <laughs> Justice 2 coming soon, and Firestorm is a playable character. So you could actually actually pit Firestorm against Aquaman. I didn't even think about that till this moment. Oh my gosh. I'm totally going to do that and take screen caps as I beat the crap out of Aquaman. What I'll probably do is just set the other controller down so as I play as Firestorm, I can beat up <laughs> Aquaman and no one can fight me back because I can't do that. Anyway. All right, folks, before we get much further, we should take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, man? Uh, because this is a Justice League-centric episode, I, of course, picked a Justice League-centric book, which is, in this case, Justice League of America, The Silver Age, Trade Paperback, Volume 2, reprints JLA's 9 through 19, which is stuff by Gardner Fox, Mike Sikowski, and Bernard Sachs. It features a brand-new cover by Michael Cho. Buy Ooh. it. It's just worth it for the cover. <laughs> I look at these covers by Michael Cho, and I'm like, why can't the DCU just look like this all the time? <laughs> so this book is wonderful. It's got Wonder Woman saluting and all the heroes, and everybody's smiling. It's just, it, they're just, his covers are just completely gorgeous. 296 pages, normal price, 19.99. In stock trades, 10.99, 45% off. Great book. JLA, Silver Age, Volume 2. Sounds like lots of fun. I picked something in the more recent vein. This is probably from 2008, maybe. Uh, it's Justice League of America, Volume 3, Injustice League, hardcover. Now, this is the uh, – the, the, there's been so many versions of Justice League and incarnations. It's hard to keep track. This is the one that starts with Brad Meltzer as the writer and then Dwayne McDuffie took over. These are the first Dwayne McDuffie stories. And basically I picked this because this is the storyline uh, where the Injustice League shows up. It's, it's leading up to Green Arrow and Black Canary's wedding. The Justice League show up, they do a bunch of awful stuff, and in the end, Firestorm, the Jason Rush Firestorm, actually joins the Justice League. So I thought that would be sort of fitting, especially with what we're going to talk about. Written by Dwayne McDuffie and Alan Burnett, lots of different artists like Ed Benez and several and Mike McCone, Andy Lanning, lots and lots of folks. Uh, cover artist by Ian Churchill, but don't hold that against it. Page count 144 pages. Uh, normally retails for 19.99, but you can get it for 42% off and only $11.59. And it's a fun, it's a fun read because not only do you get a bunch of Justice League members, you get a ton of bad guys since is the Injustice League, and it's pretty well done. I enjoyed it quite a bit. For this and all your trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. So yes, we've mentioned Justice League several times here. I don't think we specifically said what we're going to do. Rob, do you want to explain the premise to the folks at home? Sure. We got a, uh, a message from a nuclear sub named Edward Himmel. I don't believe we've heard from Mr. Himmel before, but he had a really cool suggestion, which was, have you guys talked about Firestorm's history as a member of the Justice League? And I don't think we've done that, and uh, that would that's right across the plate for both of us in terms of yeah. like the history of the JLA. I love talking about the JLA. We've covered uh, a number of Aquaman-centric JLA stories over the course of the show. There are links to all of them on the show notes in case you want to go back and listen to all those because they're a lot of fun. But I thought that was a really great idea for an episode of just sort of you know going through the history of each of these characters. I mean, he he's specifically talking about Firestorm, but we're doing Aquaman as well. 
but going through each of you know the member their history with the team. Of course, at least the original version of the team is the one I'll I'll be talking about. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was such a great idea from from Edward that we're going to do it. So thank you, Edward Himmel, for the suggestion. That's fantastic. Absolutely great idea. Now, yeah, the way we're going to tackle is I'll, I'll cover Firestorm's entire history of the JLA because he came obviously much, much later than Aquaman. He doesn't have as much history in tenure. He doesn't have as many adventures to deal with. And then, uh, you know, I'll focus uh, a lot more detail on the classic stuff. And then once we get packed past volume one of the Justice League series, I'll sort of just more give you highlights of what he did with the, te- the various incarnations of the team leading up to today, in fact. So I guess I just get rolling. I think, yeah, I think we should, since he specifically asked for Firestorm, let's lead off with Firestorm. Lead with the winner. That sounds like a good idea, man. See, so. now. <laughs> what, did you think I was suddenly going to be nice to you because you did a polite intro? Really? Uh, the people at home don't know the nasty messages you send me and the stuff you have to send via certified mail from the lawyers and stuff. They don't get to witness all that crap that I have to put up with. So, Anyway, I have to say thank you for bringing this up because honestly, I can say this completely confidently that if Firestorm had not joined the Justice League, we would not be here talking about him. There's no way. I mean, because Firestorm series got canceled and Jerry Conway used the JLA as a way to rescue the character from obscurity, really, truthfully. So all right, I, I, in order to talk about uh, Firestorms with the JLA, I have to talk about his publishing history fairly briefly. Okay, Firestorm number one. His Firestorm's first appearance was December 1977, written by Jerry Conway. Uh, and so that was his first run series. Now, by July 1978, Firestorm in issue number five, that was it. It was canceled. So it lasted, you know, all of eight months is all Firestorm lasted. Part of the DC implosion. Exactly. Uh, then over a year later, in October of 1979, Jerry Conway brought Firestorm back from limbo for a DC Comics Presents issue, number 17. Again, still written by Jerry Conway. This features Superman and Firestorm versus Killer Frost, and uh, with art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise, Praise be his name. name. Now, at the end of this story, something very interesting happened. Superman actually invited Firestorm to join the Justice League. Uh, Superman felt that the young hero could use the friendship and the guidance of more experienced heroes, which you know makes a lot of sense as sort of an X-Men approach of sorts, but that really was not a typical JLA move at that time at all. JLA did not invite neophytes onto their team. It just wasn't done. Uh, and from a, from a real-world perspective, Jerry thought that it might be a good idea to shake up the JLA, but also give him a chance to really rescue, again, one of his creations. So Firestorm joins the Justice League in Justice League of America number 179, which actually came out five months after Firestorm was invited to join the team. So if you were reading BC Comics Presents number 17 and then waiting for Firestorm to join the team, you had to wait five months. It's kind of weird. So Firestorm's inducted into the team, and his first two issues were battling the Satin Satan, which is just a great hokey name. And the issues, honestly, are a bit cornball. Uh, And Firestorm's joining the league is very well remembered because the first page is all excitement. You know, Firestorm is flying up in the air. He's so excited. Everyone's thrilled. They're talking about his youthful enthusiasm about joining the team. Flip the page, and he is immediately sent to this horribly boring lecture about JLA (laughs) procedures from Batman. I mean, just totally. Batman has a, Batman's got a pointer and everything. Yeah, I know he's talking about like, and here, you know, I don't remember whatever, but it's all procedural based. And Firestorm literally has his hand, you know, holding his chin up. He's bored out of his mind. So, uh, again, Firestorm was the first neophyte to join the team. Also, we didn't know it at the time, but he would be the last new member of the satellite era of the league. 
So we, I, I, keep, I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but the key was Firestorm's ongoing series had been over at this point for nearly two years. So linking him to the JLA really saved him from obscurity, and that's going to become a reoccurring theme. That's why I'm hitting it so much. All right, uh, Firestorm's next appearance with the Justice League was a huge, epic adventure. Now, one of the things Rob and I did when we talked about how we want to plan out this episode, each of us picked one adventure that we sort of wanted to... We're going to cover the history of the characters with the, his, with the League, but we also picked one adventure we want to hone in on and spend a few minutes talking about. We're not doing a full-on recap. We're not doing a full-on blow-by-blow, but I'm just going to give you the high points of this story, and uh, I think when I'm done, you're going to be happy I did. This is Justice League of America, 183 to 185. This is the epic apocalypse story with the Justice League of America, the Justice Society of America, and the New Gods. So uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's glorious. So hold tight, folks. There, uh, in the story, it's the annual meeting of the JLA and JSA. And this time, something has interfered with their transporter, and members from both teams have been transported to New Genesis, which is, you know, of Jack Kirby's fourth world. And from each team, we've got four members. I'm going to run through them real quick. From the JLA, we've got Superman, Batman, Firestorm, and Green Lantern. From the JSA, we've got Wonder Woman, Dr. Fate, Huntress, and Power Girl. And our heroes discover that they've been diverted to New Genesis by Metron. And along with his allies, Orion, Mr. Miracle, Big Bard, and Oberon, Metron is asking for the hero's help. Turns out that the entire population of New Genesis has been kidnapped by the evil leaders of Apocalypse. And to make matters worse, Apocalypse has recruited some new allies, the Injustice Society of Earth-2. Now, just to pull back the curtain a bit, this is a bit of a weird time for the New Gods. Because several years before this, Jack Kirby had done his run in New Gods and it ended. And then... Later on, Jerry Conway picked up the ball and ran with it. Jerry Conway did a Return of the New God series. And in Jerry's stories, Darkseid was killed in one of his own schemes. So at this point in history, Darkseid's actually dead. And Kirby had not returned yet for the Hunger Dogs graphic novel. So this is a, it's a weird time that people don't necessarily remember. So back in our story, once on Apocalypse, our heroes discover an immense construction project. This device, being overseen by the Injustice League, is attempting to resurrect Darkseid. Now, eventually Darkseid is in fact brought back to life, and we discover there is an even further evil plot. There's a plan to transport Apocalypse from its dimension to the Earth-2 dimension. Apocalypse will displace Earth-2, destroying the parallel world. So we follow the storylines involving the rescue of Highfather, also some underground army of children that are trying to battle Granny Goodness and uh, all that jazz. And in the end, the Justice League, the Justice Society, the New Gods uh, do team up and defeat Darkseid and his evil plans, and Darkseid is once again destroyed. Now, why did I want to mention this one? Well, uh, for several reasons. First of all, um, it's, it's a great, it's really, it's a fantastic story. It, it, there's some, there's some sad real world history with this. Uh, the, after the first issue, the, the artist, Dick Dillon, who'd been drawing the Justice League for what, 10 years? Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. After or, issue. No, wait, it, no, I'm sorry. More than that. About 13 uh, actually. Amazing. Um, he'd been drawing for 13 years after the first issue of the story. Like Dick Dillon actually passed away from a heart attack. It was very sad. It's very tragic. Um, in 184, actually, the letters column is full of really nice tributes from various people in the comics world about him. Uh, so the second and third issue, I mean, DC had to decide what to do. Uh, so thankfully, they had someone on hand, a young artist named George Perez. And, and uh, George came in and did amazing work, and you know he's been celebrated with the Justice League ever since. And uh, it, the story really does feel like an epic summer blockbuster. It feels great. In fact, there's been murmurs that the Justice League movie steals some ideas from this story. So. Wow. 
Interesting timing also uh, for Firestorm because, as I mentioned, he joined the Justice League, and this story hit just exactly the same time the Firestorm eight-page backups were starting in the Flash. So Firestorm's starting to get a little bit of uh, motion again here. You know, after being almost gone from into obscurity, there's that word. Uh, he's starting to get some traction, and uh, here's some fun stuff with Firestorm during the opening uh, one, during one of the scenes, what I call the exposition scene, where the New Gods and Justice League are all talky, talky, talky. Firestorm actually gets bored and simply flies away. He, he wanders off to explore. He has this great scene where he's bickering with, uh, with Professor Stein, and then he ends up in a confrontation with Orion of the New Gods, and Firestorm gets his butt handed to him. I mean, it's a total classic Firestorm move. It's hilarious. And then later on in the climactic battle when they're battling Darkseid, Darkseid shoots his Omega Beams at the Justice League, right? Which means pretty much you're going to die. And so Firestorm actually creates this, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, an elbow joint, which the, the Omega Beams go in and sh curve around through the elbow joint and go right back at Darkseid. It's hysterical. I mean, that should not totally not have worked, but it did. Who cares? Um, the storyline also introduces the budding romance between Firestorm and Power Girl. This is a theme that would go on for several years across the Justice League, Justice Society crossovers. And, um, Another reason I talked about this one, honestly, is because some of my other other favorite crossovers are taken as well, like Crisis on Earth Prime. Rob and I did that already in a previous episode of the show, and uh, also the we've talked a little bit about issue two hundred five, which is another great one, which is where Professor Stein. Well, I'll talk about it in a bit, but either way, uh, Rob, what do you feel about this? What do you think of the storyline? Uh, I like this one a lot. It is sad because I know it's the last Dick Dillon uh, issue. He actually was working on one eighty four when he passed away. There are some pages that exist; they were never printed, really? but but yeah. Oh. So, but this is his last full issue. Uh, I love uh, how pissy Wonder Woman gets when Superman calls them new gods. She's like, there's only, oh, one, yeah. there's only one set of gods I know. And the way that uh, Dick Dillon draws her, she's got this like very stern mom thing and she's like cutting <laughs> Superman. Uh, yeah, I like, the, I like the, the idea of Firestorm getting bored and flying away because it's like, sure, you've been transported to a strange world that you're unfamiliar with clearly against your own will. So yeah, let me fly away. Let me just wander around. There's no way that could be a problem. If, if I was if I was kidnapped and transferred to another world, I would stick really close to Superman and Dr. Fate. Just uh, <laughs> this is a self-preservation move. Um, I mean, I did feel sort of sorry for Dick Dillon just because it's like, you know, God, the poor guy had such a workload. And then it was like, you know, here's Jerry Conway like, oh, here, let's introduce three more sets of characters you have to draw. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, geez, Jerry, what are you doing to me here? But but uh, no, it's cool. I, I, I liked it quite a bit. It's got all the character stuff. I love, I love these JLA, JSA crossovers. I like on page 23 where Superman encounters um, the, the, the bald-headed girl that attacks him. And Superman says, I make it never a point to strike a lady. And then he just knocks her out with a fingertip. He just goes, right. plink. And, she not, and they even draw little stars around her head, like little bird stuff. It's a great, it's a great bit. I, 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 I've never been quite able to get a handle on the new gods outside of Kirby and even when Kirby was doing them I'm just I don't know there's something a little weird about them so I, I, I've never been like the biggest fan in the world but it's fun seeing them all together with the JLA and the JSA no doubt it is fun, but you know it's interesting. I, I paid attention to it here because I started reading some old New God stuff not too long ago, and I tried to read Jerry Conway's Return of the New Gods. Uh, it didn't do a lot for me, um, honestly. I'm doing it in preparation for us doing that first issue special eventually, but um, but it didn't do it. So, and what I noticed in here is most of the New Gods, other than Orion, don't really have a lot of personality development. They're there. They're part of the story. They have a history, but they don't have a lot of personality. It's it's, it's interesting. It's almost like they're just pieces, like chess pieces. You know, they they have a function. They serve a role, but they don't 
you know, you don't feel for them. So interesting. It's also when uh, Orion was wearing that weird superhero looking costume that just doesn't really work. You know, again, it's that weird period. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on this. We need to get rolling. I got a lot more to talk about. So I'm going to trip hammer through, uh, as Rob's favorite word, through uh, the rest of the classic stuff here, just real high, at a high level. Justice League of America 189 and 190 was the star of the Conqueror episode, or issues. Great storyline. Firestorm's featured in there. I, I love that cover by Brian Bolland with Firestorm right in the front with the star on his face. Looks great. Uh, we talked about that on a previous or someone you had a guest i think who talked about that one me and bailey on that one that's right that's right justice league 192 193 is a red tornado story featuring firestorm saving the red tornado and in that they forge a special bond where firestorm discovers the secret origin of the red tornado uh where he's actually made up the tornado tyrant and the tornado champion firestorm kind of keeps that secret to himself which probably would have helped the red tornado miniseries if he hadn't but whatever uh (laughs) JLA 195 to 197, The Secret Society of Supervillains. Great story. Is a great story. And there's a lot more Firestorm and Power Girl flirting in that. Um, I don't really remember Firestorm having any standout moments in that particular story. I remember one ridiculous moment where they're all fighting and Firestorm's like floating above the fight, like acting like a referee, which was like, what? But um, anyway, it's a great, great storyline, though. Uh, then we jump to Justice League of America number 200. Not the world's best comic. Come on. I fed that. Oh, I'm you. editing that out. So I'm oh, not, okay. Well, if okay. I react to it, then i got to have more to edit out. So. <laughs> that if you don't know, that is Rob's single favorite comic book of all time. Uh, Firestorm single had a favorite piece of literature of all time. <laughs> He's not kidding, folks. I am not kidding. He told Jerry Conway that. I did. Uh, Speaking of which, by the way, I should mention, every single comic I've mentioned so far about Firestorm, written by Jerry Conway. Whether it's Firestorm, DC Comics Presents, Flashback Ups, Justice League of America, all written by Conway. No one got their hands on Firestorm for almost uh, 10 years from his creation. It's amazing. It's, anyway, it's, it's funny to think that, if, as you mentioned, if Jerry had not introduced Firestorm into the JLA, Firestorm might have just gone the way of the Dodo. And I, today, would be doing the Plastic and Water podcast with Max Romero. It's very interesting. <laughs> You think that's what would have happened? You I'm really sure did? that's what – it's pretty close to happening every damn week, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Max. Uh, now, by default, I have to hate you. So anyway, um, Issue 200, Firestorm represent his job in Firestorm two, in, in JLA 200 was basically to represent the modern JLA versus the classic JLA. It's kind of what his role was there as he fought Martian Manhunter. So, yeah, and it was done by Pat Broderick, that, that art. So great, great scenes in that. Then JLA 202 to 205 was the Royal Flush Gang, culminating in the amazing issue number 205. I referenced it before. I love this one. I actually have it signed uh, by uh, George Perez. Uh, but it's um, really amazing. It, it is a battle on the astral plane between Hector Hammond and Professor Martin Stein. That's which a, that's a great story. We have to get to that too. It's two. It's two hundred three to two hundred five, just to be super yeah. nerdlinger. But uh, oh. yeah, JLA versus the Royal Flush Gang, and then Hector Hammond comes in. Another great storyline. That is so great, so wonderful. So, um, and then it's about this time that uh, the Firestorm ongoing series starts. Actually, so Firestorm's involvement becomes a little bit less, and and that's where Jerry started paying more attention to Firestorm outside of the book. So, but there are still some great stories in here. JLA two hundred seven to two hundred nine, and All Star Squadron. I think it's fourteen and fifteen, mm-hmm. which is Crisis on Earth Prime. It's an awesome story. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's the f- one of the first JLA stories I ever read. Uh, it, it totally drew me in. It, a lot of it had that cover dress, honestly. But anyway, Firestorm's very active throughout this storyline. Uh, very memorable flirting with Power Girl really takes hold here. In fact, at the, in the very end, it ends with Power Girl and Firestorm in an embrace. Mm. 
Then we don't see Firestorm again until Justice League of America number 217, which is a story tied into Aaron, Lord of Atlantis, which no one really talks about much anymore. Uh, not the Aaron story, but that issue. Justice League 219 to 220 was the ultra-confusing Secret Origin of Black or Black Canary. Don't really want to get into that much. Uh, my head, I already have a headache. Uh, 221 to 223 is the battle with the Beastmen. Great story. Which t- See, really? I like I'm that not, one. I'm not there. To me, this one always sort of like signals the end. Sort of like, yeah, this isn't quite working. We're going to have to change something soon, guys, because we're doing three issues of Battle with the Beastmen. I li- it's to me that it, though that storyline is like JLA wandered into a horror movie, which I wouldn't want to be a steady diet, but as a change of pace, I, I, li- I liked it quite a bit. That's interesting. Okay. I can kind of see and, that. And so. Firestorm gets a good chunk to do in that storyline, too. Does he? I, I honestly, I read it when I first got it, and I haven't reread it in that long since then. That's been what twenty-five years, probably. Yeah. Um, so, uh, then issue two twenty-four, they battle Paragon, and the interesting there thing there is he manages to duplicate Firestorm's transmutation powers. Then two twenty-eight to two thirty, which is the Earth-Mars War, which is a another fun, phenomenal story, just so good. Firestorm has some really great moments in that one, uh, several of which he's doubting Martian Manhunter whether he's a good guy or not. Uh, we covered that with Diablo Frank. Uh, that was a that was a drinking from a higher fire hose episode many 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 years ago, and then finally in Justice League of America Annual Number Two, which was July 1984, is when Aquaman disbanded the Justice League. Firestorm realized he could not make the commitment to join the Detroit League, so Firestorm had basically a four-year tenure in the Justice League, and truthfully, it did save him from being like. I don't know what, what else. What else hit the implosion? Uh, Steel, the indestructible man. Yeah, that Steel, indestructible away. man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vixen. Uh, Vixen. Vixen never even got published. Vixen died right, before exactly. it ever became a thing. Yeah. So I mean, there was several stuff that just died during that era. Never really took hold later. Firestorm could have been just a character that appeared, in, you know, randomly in some comic, and no one ever talked about it again. So, all right. Now I'm going to jump forward here. Now then, Rob's coverage is going to stop here. I believe, you know, with uh, just the classic Justice League. Pretty series. much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep going just to give you sort of a big picture on what happened after this, because Firestorm actually joined the Justice League several times. He's a bit of a joiner. So uh, that was 1984. 11 years later, in 1995, Firestorm joins Extreme Justice, which was written by Dan Votto. So, finally, Jerry Conway not writing it. Uh, Dan Votto writes it. Um, at this point, Firestorm had absolutely no ongoing series. The character hadn't even been seen in five years. So, really, again, this is an attempt to save Firestorm from obscurity. Um, during his time with, Justice, with Extreme Justice, it was an only 18-issue uh, series, or 19 if you count issue zero. He, uh, Ronnie survived a terminal case of leukemia and became Firestorm. Uh, independent of Professor Stein, he was he was Firestorm by himself without a without a second half. Um, there he had adventures interacting with the power mad elemental Firestorm, which was Professor Stein. He helped uh, be, <laughs> Ronnie actually became a somewhat famous underwear model called Ron Ray. Oh, it was awful. What? Uh, yeah, I'm not making this up. <laughs> it, was, it was a really bad period of time. It was the 90s, brother. It was the 90s in the worst possible way, too. Like of all. DC's books in the 90s, Extreme Justice has got to be one of the most 90s-looking books. I mean, hands down. People can name a couple others, sure. Firebrand was out there and Manhunter, sure. But, I mean, Extreme Justice was pretty extreme. Uh, Ronnie became pals with Blue Beetle, much to the chagrin of uh, Booster Gold during that run. And about after a year on the team, eventually Ronnie was partying too much and became an alcoholic. And that drove him uh, from the team and into rehab. And they actually did a, a, a two-issue special in Showcase that was just amazing about Firestorm dealing with rehab. It was really powerful. Then jump forward three years, Firestorm actually joined the Justice League Europe for one issue. 
<laughs> and it wasn't even Just League Europe. It was in Starman, written by James Robinson. It was all a storyline that, that where he wanted to dem- where Robinson wanted to demonstrate just how dangerous Starman's foe, the Mist, was. Uh, basically, the Mist. That the, they show the the creation of the Just League Europe team, and by the end of the issue, the Mist has murdered every single member of the team except Firestorm. Uh, it was pretty brutal. And Blue Devil was like burned, just melted. It was gross. Then jump forward another four years. Ronnie joins the JLA. We're talking the series that started with Morrison, took over by Way, took over by Joe Kelly. In this era, this is written by Joe Kelly. Uh, once again, Firestorm does not have an ongoing series. So this, in 2002, saved him from obscurity again. So it starts in Justice League of America. Or, I'm sorry. JLA, number 69 in 2002, in the storyline called The Obsidian Age. You should be familiar with that one, Rob. Uh, the JLA, well, it was all about Aquaman. So uh, What happened was the JLA go missing into the past, and some issues follow the JLA in the past trying to find Aquaman, but in the present, with no JLA, Batman always has a contingency plan, right? So his contingency plan goes into place. Since the JLA is not there, a new team is assembled from his instructions, led by Nightwing, and this new team includes Firestorm. So once the Obsidian Age story concludes and the regular JLA members all come back, Firestorm actually remained remained a member of the team. And he was active with the team for about a year. Technically, he never really quit this incarnation of the team. He just sort of appeared less and less. Uh, and really, the beginning of the end, though, was after about a year in Justice League number 84, where Firestorm was badly injured by an attack on the moon's surface. He, this, this weird being that looked sort of like a mechanical version of Firestorm attacked him. And they said it was some, like, illusion or some crap like that. The reality was that issue where Firestorm's attack on the moon was supposed to lead to a new ongoing series for Firestorm in in 2002. It was going to be written by Mike Carey. I'm sorry, this is 2003. It was going to be written by Mike Carey, who later went on to fame with the unwritten and a lot of of the X-books. And uh, and, uh, it turns out the series got canceled, though, before the first issue was ever released. There is a lot of artwork for this series. I've got it on my website. It's really interesting. It would have been an interesting series. It was very different. Uh, And the reason that they canned that series is because they went a different route because the next year they did Identity, Identity Crisis. And Firestorm didn't quite make it out of that series alive, now did he? So Firestorm's dead at that point. Now, that doesn't mean he quit joining the JLA. Dead people can join too. Uh, because Jason Rush takes over as Firestorm. And then in 2008, he joins the Justice League of America. And uh, this is, again, that series I talked about during the In-Stock Trades entry, the one with written by Dwayne McDuffie. And uh, it's it was, again, interestingly enough, this is after the Jason Rush Firestorm series was canceled. Firestorm had no home. So once again, the Justice League saves Firestorm from obscurity. Happened in Justice League of America number 15, written by Dwayne McDuffie. And it's actually kind of funny. Uh, the, the Jason Rush Firestorm was helping out the Justice League, and at the end of the adventure, Batman mentions, Firestorm, he, Batman mentions Firestorm joining the team. Firestorm very politely declines. He says, I'm not really a joiner. Thanks for the offer. And Batman says, you misunderstand. That was not an invitation. Apparently, Batman feels that Firestorm is too powerful and to be allowed to roam around unsupervised, and therefore Firestorm is now part of the Justice League. <laughs> and, he's, and Firestorm's like, "What? Huh?" And I think Black, uh, I think it was Black Lightning that said, "The Bat God has spoken. Welcome to the team." And so Firestorm was just dictated to be on the team. It was quite funny. Uh, Jason stayed with the Justice League for about a, a little less than two years. He doesn't. He gets a couple good moments, but he doesn't really have a lot to do in that series. And um, and eventually the series took a whole different direction, and that team was just washed. So he's out. Then jump forward to 2013. So we jump now to the New 52. Ronnie and Jason are now Firestorm together. Uh, and Justice League is the New 52 Justice League is written by Jeff Johns. And by this point, it is obvious that the Firestorm book is going to get canceled, the one that Dan Jurgens was writing. And so Jeff Johns, what does he do? He adds Firestorm to the Justice League to avoid obscurity. 
I'm telling you, every time. Uh, so he ends up joining during the Throne of Atlantis storyline. You might have heard of that one, Rob. And he joins as a reservist. Basically, they recruit him for that help. And then by the end of the Throne of Atlantis, Firestorm becomes a full member. And uh, that's actually the time his series was canceled. And uh, he stays with the team for a few months, but doesn't really have much to do except two things. One, in the, during the Trinity War, he's forced to create kryptonite to be used against Superman. Kind of a dick move. And then during Forever Evil, this was interesting. Uh, the bad guys actually use the Firestorm Matrix, you know, where people can merge. They use the Firestorm Matrix itself to trap the Justice League and create, like, a prison. So the Justice League is held prisoner inside Firestorm's mind, basically. It's really kind of creepy. Sorry, I just foiled, spoiled Forever Evil for you. But uh, So after about a year of joining the team, Firestorm vanished from the Justice League lineup at the conclusion of Forever Evil. And that is the end. We don't have our boy in the Justice League. However, oddly enough, Killer Frost is part of the Justice League of America right now. That's a little weird. But anyway, so all total, Firestorm joined the Justice League six times. And if you combine the total number of years he was a part of the team for about nine years out of his 40 years in publication. And it's his 40th birthday this year, by the way. We should have a party. You still awake? Huh? What? Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. I'm, yes. Good. It was very interesting, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> I expect you to be like, Tracy, turn it down. <laughs> As if like you were watching TV with her this whole time. <laughs> you hear MASH in the background. <laughs> Any comments before we go to break and then cover that guy who talks to fish on the backside? Uh, No. <laughs> okay. Thanks no, for the no, enthusiasm. No, 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 no. It was very good. No, no. It was good to go through all that. I mean, Firestorm Firestorm and the league belonged together. Jerry Conway made a very smart decision. I mean, it was self-serving, but it was mm. a very, nevertheless, a very smart decision to include Firestorm, despite what Alex Ross thinks. I think Firestorm belongs <laughs> in, the, in the Justice League, and so I'm certainly happy that he's in every iteration. I think he's a nice... Uh, you know, he, he's a nice contrast to the rest of them. He looks like he fits in. So, um, yeah, he belongs in the JLA, no matter what it, version of it they do. He should be part of the team. You know, it's always kind of funny is other than Extreme Justice, he, uh, pretty, and he pretty much always joins the Justice League after they've been around for a while. Like, whatever, whatever incarnation he joins, it's almost never when the team is formed. It's always later, which is sort of parallels how he, how he first joined the team. I don't know if that's on purpose or whether it's, like I said, they're just trying to keep the character in publication so he doesn't leave the public consciousness. I don't know, but it, that's a nice continuing theme. It's not big on beta testing for Firestorm. He likes to make <laughs> sure all the bugs are worked out, and then, then he signs on. <laughs> hey, his one series went 100 issues, by golly. I'm never going to let that go. More than Aquaman, so he does some things right. <laughs> we're right. getting there. We're doing bi-weekly. We're getting there. That's true. You might you might actually do it this time. <laughs> oh, it'll, <laughs> be still, it'll be canceled before then. Who are we? Well, canceled? I still think, yeah, I think they're going to cancel it before the movie and launch a number one. Just there to get you it. go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, well, folks, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for Firestorm. Uh, I'm going to – well, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, it's just going to be Rob because, quite frankly, I can't bear to listen to, what, 40, 50 years of Aquaman's history of the Justice League. But anyway, uh, until I'm then – I'm rubbing my hands with glee. <laughs> until then, listen to some podcast promos from our friends. Take the Earth's mightiest heroes, each an invincible champion of justice, and band them together to assemble the legendary Justice League of America. For 261 issues and three annuals, the DC Universe was defended from threats on Earth and beyond by this legendary team. Operating from a cave in Happy Harbor to a satellite orbiting 22,300 miles above the Earth to uh, Detroit, 
Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast, will follow the league through all their evolutions. Please join your host, Mike Peacock, as I seek to cover all of the issues of the classic pre-crisis Justice League of America series. Through the magic of the JLA transporter, each issue will be randomized, with special episodes covering a complete story arc if needed. Along with the issue coverage, we shall also look at what the then-current members of the Justice League were up to in solo appearances in other comics for the JLA cover month issue. So do not hesitate to activate your JLA signal device for Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast on classicjla.podbean.com or by subscribing through iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our regular program to bring you a special broadcast direct from the secret sanctuary of the Justice League of America. Addressing the council at this emergency meeting is Superman. Fellow members of the Justice League, the world is under attack at this very moment by the most powerful forces man has ever seen. Creatures from space, monsters from the depths of the earth, and criminals operating right within our cities, and they must be destroyed before they destroy the world. Operation Lifesaver is in effect as of right now. Are you ready? Yeah! Are you with it? Yeah! Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! The Justice League is coming! Here we come, hey, look out, chum, it's the Justice League, the Justice League. Superheroes all always on the ball, it's the Justice League, the Justice League. There's big trouble with the capital B, a super colossal calamity, a tremendous, stupendous catastrophe. And here we come out swinging, and when we're swinging, man, we're bringing big trouble with the capital T for any super on a show anywhere the four winds blow when we get the call watch us go the justice league yeah the justice league oh the justice league that's the justice league and we're back and now it's all mine the show is all mine this is so exciting Sha- i don't know where shag is so it's just going to be me talking to you about aquaman and the justice league some of my favorite topics uh, <laughs> what i'm up i'm up i promise i'm awake let me give me some diamond Mountain Dew. Let's uh, go. don't do that um so uh that's a ticking time bomb that stuff anyway <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've already covered uh, a good number of the jail Aquaman-centric issues of Justice League because, I mean, we've been doing the show for five, six years now, and so it's come up. So we've already covered uh, JLA number 122, which was a great Aquaman issue, JLA 192, 193, which has a great Aquaman moment in it, and, of course, JLA 228 to 230, the Earth-Mars War, and JLA number 200. So we've already covered all those, and as I mentioned, the links are in the show notes. What so was the first, What was the first one? 120? What, well, I don't know what that reminds 22, the Great Identity Crisis, where oh, right. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan and I did that one, where it's a it's a flashback tale, and it's the whole thing involving Doctor Light 
and in exchanging the identities of the JLA and Aquaman is the thing that solves it because he doesn't have a secret identity. So that's a really yep. good story. So anyway, um, the, the issue particularly that I'm going to focus on very briefly from a 30,000 foot level is just League of America number. <laughs> you nine, mean 22,000? <laughs> yeah, I should have said that. Uh, is JLA number 94 from cover date in November, 1971. The title, uh, the, the title of the story is Where Strikes Demon Fang. Somebody's been reading Stan Lee comics. It's by Mike Frederick, <laughs> Dick Dillon, and Joe Giella. The plot is, and the, the feature is a great cover by Neil Adams, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, as we left them at the end of issue number 92, not 93, 93 is an all-reprint issue, we see Aquaman, Green Arrow, and Batman in the crosshairs of an assassin's rifle. Luckily for them, the sun reflects off the rifle, alerting the three JLAers to the assassin's presence, and they are able to get out of the way in time and apprehend the assassin. They try to find out who sent him and why, but he won't answer. We then cut to the mysterious League of Assassins, where we see the Master Archer Merlin is being, is being given a chance to succeed where the previous attempt failed. While Merlin is tracking Green Arrow, the seeming target, he comes across Superman and the Atom and manages to subdue them both with his trick arrows. <laughs> Chew on that for a minute. <laughs> Aquaman, Green Arrow, and Batman then discover that the first assassin has been murdered by Merlin. The three of them start to track Merlin, and they find their way to a creepy haunted house. They trip some sort of alarm, and a bunch of death traps appear, one of them grabbing Green Arrow. Meanwhile, Batman grows suspicious of Aquaman, and he wants to know who this Aquaman really is, because earlier in the story, Aquaman offhandedly mentioned Nanda Parbat, a location only two people in the outside world know about. Turns out that Aquaman has been taken over by Deadman, who needed to contact the Justice League when he discovered the League of Assassins plot to bump off Green Arrow. Superman and the Atom show up, help free Green Arrow, and fight Merlin, who manages to escape. Deadman informs Bats that Raish Agul is gunning for Batman as well, where it is suggested the story will continue in Batman and Detective Comics. So, okay, I have to admit, this story really doesn't feature Aquaman all that much. That, um, that's, what blew, that's what confused the hell right, out of me, because right. you told me what issue we were going to cover, and I read it, I'm like, it's not even a freaking Aquaman no, story. He's no. in it for, like, one panel, technically. Okay, okay. well, one of the, a couple of reasons I, I want to talk about. First of all, he's on the cover. Like, you know, it, the cover has nothing really to do with the story, because it's Dead Man threatening Aquaman's life, which totally does not happen. Story. <laughs> but the cover, it's, it's Aquaman-centric. It's drawn by Neil Adams, which is great. We get, sure. And there's a couple of pages in this story drawn by Neil Adams. I don't know why. Five, uh, maybe, if yeah, I remember correctly. I don't know why. Maybe if somebody spilled coffee on Dick Dillon's originals or something and they had to get Neil Here. to fill in or something. But we get to see Aquaman drawn by Neil Adams, which was always one of my favorite things. So that's that was kind of an important moment. Uh, the, uh, the splash page is by Neil Adams. It's an amazing drawing, this big close-up. Uh, I forget of the the head assassin, master of assassins guy, League of Assassins De guy, Demon Fang. Yeah, Demon Fang. It's really beautiful. So it's it, it features some really great artwork. And just as a sort of fun fact, uh, this cover date, this issue was cover date in November 1971, which means it was on sale in September of 1971, which means it was the first issue of Justice League published after I was born. Ah, uh, so there you go, big moment. Uh, that is uh, meaningless, but anyway, go ahead. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is not that much of an Aquaman-centric story, but we've already covered a lot of them. So I thought this would be kind of fun to talk about. It's a really good story. I love the idea that the dead man, you know, has to take possession of someone's body just to relay a simple message. Like, that's a funny idea. Like, he's like, you could just 
you know, take over a mailman and mail a letter. You don't have to like. Take over <laughs> it was weird that Dead Man, you know, he played along through the whole issue. Yeah. And didn't once like reveal who he was to right. anyone. It's like really, he could. They know who Dead Man is. He could have said something by this point. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, being that it was written by Mike Friedrich, I'm just really glad Zatanna didn't show up in it because things would have got weird real yeah, quick. Yeah, everybody would have been groping Zatanna at some point yep. in the story. Yeah, but it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a fun comic, and he said it's it's JLA drawn by Neil Adam in bits and pieces, which is absolutely fantastic. Because Neil Adams in his prime, you know, it was the early '70s, so it's it's really enough. and and you know, by having Deadman in it, it's sort of quasi making reference to the fact that Deadman had a backup feature in Aquaman for a couple of issues uh... drawn by Neil Adams. <laughs> And, okay. And eventually, they actually married the two features where Aquaman and Deadman crossed over, uh, in in like number fifty two, fifty one or fifty two of his book. So I mean, it's kind of a reference there. So this is an Aquaman sort of centric thing, even if he's not really in the story all that much and he doesn't do a whole lot. I still really like it, and it's still a story I think of when I think of, of Aquaman centric issues. Speaking of, I, I uh, just a couple more quick thoughts. I just felt like it was like I felt like the Neil Adams thing was involved because there was so much of the League Assassins stuff and Rajah Ghul stuff, you know, uh, or Rajah Ghul related, I should say, stuff because you know he was so heavily invested in that with the Batman books. That's kind of it felt almost like there was an agenda here to get more of that. The, those characters involved because maybe they were popular. Or maybe Neil Adams was a draw by using pages by Neil Adams. It would sell more copies. I wasn't sure. And uh, it, it was a fun issue, yes. But I, I had a hard time buying, you know, Captain Jack Harkness taking down Superman, the Atom, everyone with just a couple of bows and arrows. So um, Yeah, that, that's not one of Superman's best moments. Yeah. Sure. So. And somebody out there got my reference. But anyway. I got it. I just didn't really care all that much. I was fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway... There are some other uh, Aquaman-centric issues that are worth mentioning, and maybe at some point we'll cover them on the show. There's JLA number 13, uh, where uh, all the JLAers face off robot duplicates of themselves based on their secret identities. And because Aquaman doesn't have one, he gets to sort of sit sit this one out. And initially, you kind of think, oh, he's going to just miss the whole adventure. But he ends up being like a cheerleader and helps them all figure out how to defeat uh, the their duplicate. So that's a nice thing. And of course, in JLA number nine, which is their origin of Justice League, it's Aquaman that starts the whole ball rolling by helping defeat the, the wood, the Apelax creature, because he's the first guy that sort of starts the whole team effort thing. So that's a big moment, yeah. And so it's JLA 94, which we just covered, JLA 122. In JLA 142, which is drawn by, um, not drawn, I'm sorry, written by Steve Englehart, he has Aquaman, Adam, and Elongated Man go on a, basically a solo adventure, and it starts with them talking about, bemoaning the fact that they don't seem to add much to the team. It's, huh. it's Adam is the one feeling insecure. Elongated Man doesn't, and Aquaman is sort of more, you know, sort of like has, you know, like he's okay. He's like our, you know, our powers come in handy in very specific things. And so they get a whole adventure by themselves the versus the construct. So that's a really good story. Uh, the aforementioned JLA 217, which is written by Paul Kupperberg, which is a really terrific story. I can't believe we haven't covered that one yet. It's a one and done, and it's drawn by Chuck Patton. It's really, really good. I love it. Really? See, like, yes, I love that I, story. No, I, I, it's a. I'm the prime target for that issue because you mentioned Chuck Patton. Uh, Firestorm's in it. Aquaman's in it. Uh, it's it's uh, based on Orion, the, you know, the Lord of Atlantis stuff because it's got Garth Danu, his brother. And so it's like it should totally be in my wheelhouse. And again, it's another one of those I haven't read since I first got my JLA comics way back when. So I maybe I need to give it a try again, but I don't remember it lighting my fire last time. I don't know. I, I feel like those there are two 
one-offs uh, in there right after Batman left the team, or right around that time, Jelly 217 and Jelly 218. And I think that those are some of the best Jelly stories ever done. And I was like, why can't you just do this book? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they felt the need to blow the team up six months later, you know, because I just thought this was really, really good. But, you know. Cause they, the, because of the Beastmen. Yeah, I guess so, because of the Beastmen. Uh, of course, is then Jelly Two Hundred. Aquaman gets some some great moments. Jelly Two Twenty Eight to Two Thirty. That's his, that's his big moment. Followed up by Jelly Annual Annual Number Two, where he literally blows up the team. He's the only founding member left, and he uses some obscure uh, thing in the Jelly Rulebook to destroy the team and set up Jelly Detroit, which was not really one of Aquaman's greatest moments. And hey, then, hey, hey! And then uh, now, of course, you know he is he's front and center. It's, so. it's, uh, it's getting an omnibus, by the way. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, he's, you know, he, he was front and center for the whole team throwing that whole run. So Aquaman gets quite a bit to do. And it's the final issues of his run with the team, 241 to 243, where Mira shows up and he decides to quit the team, which never sat well with me. And it wasn't until I got to talk to Jerry and do an interview with him that I found out why that had to happen the way it did. But uh, Jelly 240. Why? Because I was about to say, because you just said he joined the team and he was with the team the whole way. And I was about to go, oh, no, he wasn't, sir. Yeah, no, no, the yeah. First time, uh, first time a hot piece of tail comes around, yeah. he is gone. Yeah, he, he gives everybody lectures about how they have to be dedicated to the, to the cause of justice. And then the minute Mirror shows up, he's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, and right. And that was because and the editors wanted him out of the book for the miniseries. And so uh, they uh, and they uh, didn't give Jerry much warning. So Jerry had to wrap it up very abruptly. And it really made Aquaman look like a giant dick. Because he had spent, it did. It he really spent the did. whole year lecturing Steel, lecturing Vibe about duty and responsibility. And then the minute Mirror shows up, he's like, yeah, I'm done. And then you just if, – if you were somebody that were not familiar with Aquaman, you'd be like, this guy's an a-hole. You know? right. And so, yeah, it never sat well with me. And it wasn't until I talked to Jerry you know, 20, 30-odd years later that I figured out what the truth of it was. So, so there was that. So, so Aquaman was a member – all the way from the very first appearance of the team, which is Brave and Bold, number 28, which happens to be his first ever appearance on a comic book cover. No way. Yes. He was a, he was a character at D, on DC Stable for 17 years before he ever got a cover. So thank, yes. so thanks to, uh, thanks to uh, the, his membership in the, Brave and the, in the Justice League, he got a cover. Actually, thanks to them not allowing Superman and Batman on the cover. <laughs> well, there is that. And, and also thanks to the fact that, that Julius Schwartz literally forgot that Green Arrow existed. What? Because he was – they would have said later on, they were like, why – Why people – he was interviewed later on. Like, why wasn't Green Arrow a member of the team at the beginning? He's like, I literally forgot about him when I was compiling the list. <laughs> So you think Aquaman would have got a cut in favor of Green Arrow? I don't know, but Green when when Aqu- Aquaman and Morfun Aquaman and Green Arrow first appeared in the same comic book, Morfun Comics number right. seventy three, and for the thirty some odd issues of Morfun that followed, Green Arrow got the cover every time. Mm-hmm. So Green Arrow was obviously perceived as a bigger star than Aquaman. So maybe, and Green Arrow continued in the back of Adventure along with Aquaman all those years. So for some reason. Uh, you know, Aquaman was not considered as big a name, I guess, for whatever, you know, I don't exactly know why. Um, you've heard of uh, Tijuana Bibles. There's a Green Arrow Tijuana Bible, but there's not one of Aquaman. So obviously Green Arrow was, had a certain, certain amount of fame attached to him inside and outside of comics. But luckily for, for us Aquaman fans, Julius Schwartz just plum forgot him. When it was when he was making the list, so How Aquaman. Funny. Yeah. Now I did, now I don't know if that meant that one member would have been dumped. Uh, odds are it would have been Martian Manhunter, probably. 
uh, or there would have been eight members. I don't know. Now, obviously, yeah. they, they corrected that very quickly because Green Arrow joins in issue number four. It didn't take very long. But yeah. Interesting. You know, I wonder if there's there seems like almost like a missed opportunity here to have more Green Arrow and Aquaman Adventures together because given that they were published together for so long, it almost seems logical to say, hey, let's throw them together in an adventure and have that be almost a, like a, like a, like a, a Hawkman and uh, Adam. You know, they kind yeah. of like they were published together, so they became friends. That right. that that friendship grew out of just a publishing you know, quirk. So it would have been interesting if Green Arrow and Aquaman had, had some sort of relationship. There was a crossover in the back of Adventure Comics, one issue, where the one story continued into the next feature. Um, oh, but that was nice. literally the one time they did it, where it's, it's Aquaman is chasing a bunch of bad guys, and they're like, they get away, and then they, they literally roll right into the Green Arrow feature. So, like, so, so what you're saying is Aquaman was incapable of catching the bad guys, and yes, it took Green that, Arrow to do the, that finish is, the job. That is exactly yes. With the, with his giant shaft, he was able to. to <laughs> Jeez, so, I didn't go there. Uh, okay, so anyway, but so by by Aquaman being a member all the way from Brave and the Bold through JLA number two forty three, he has the longest tenure of any member. Uh, there is no single. You mean, in, you mean in the original series? The original series, yeah. All of these comments are for the original series because I don't care about anything else after this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't care if there's a podcast about the later incarnations. Who, who cares? So, in terms of the original team, Aquaman had the longest. <laughs> Wait a minute, that was a dig at me, Dick. I just <laughs> got that. <laughs> <laughs> A little slow on the upkeep there, Shaggy. It's that Mountain Dew it's eating away at your brain. I hate you. <laughs> um, there were some other there were some other things worth mentioning in terms of uh, Aquaman's firsts in this book. In JLA number one twenty nine, Aquaman uses his mental powers on Superman, which was a, an early indication that Aquaman could use his telepathy on non sea life. So that was poor, kind of a big deal. Poor vibe. Uh, yeah, much like you mentioned uh, that that the um, JLA rescued Firestorm, it, it rescued Aquaman to a certain extent, because in the early 70s, after Aquaman's book was canceled, Aquaman only appeared in Justice League. Mm. He had no home until he got a backup feature in Adventure and then a solo f- a front feature in Adventure. But for a couple of years, like 71 through 74, Aquaman did not appear in any book as a solo feature. So he was just in Justice League. So was it, I'm trying to remember, was it Len Wein that forgot Aquaman was in the Justice League? I can't remember. Julie Schwartz. Well, no, 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 no. Someone. Oh, the writer, Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. Yes. That's right. What I was, was, was going to get that? to that. I was going to get to that. Oh, okay. Uh, Aquaman did not appear in JLA numbers sixty-nine through eighty-five. So there's sixteen whole issues where he did not appear, thanks to Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill presumably just forgot that Aquaman was a member. There's even an issue where they face a bunch of bad guys, and and it's like a couple members of the team. And Hawkman's like, we're outnumbered. We have to call in reinforcements. And he calls in Green Arrow, Black Canary, and like one other member, and he doesn't call Aquaman. Now, the, the, the ostensible reason for that was because Aquaman was on the search for Mira, because that was the mm-hmm. whole storyline. But that's kind of nonsense. I mean, Batman was in 90 other books. Right. Yeah, he, he had time to be in Justice League, so that's a little silly. So, yeah, I, it, Aquaman, Aquaman misses... Uh, the issue where Martian Manhunter leaves, he's not present for that. He misses didn't, didn't miss much, <laughs> right? He misses the issue where Black Canary joins, he's not in for that, and he misses the issue where they get the satellite. Oh, that's awkward. Like what did he not... do? He shows up at the secret sanctuary and it's all boarded up. He's like, "What happened? Like, what's going on? I don't understand." That's that's when they're like, "Oh crap! Add a pool, quick! Add yeah, a pool exactly. to the satellite." Yeah, so that's all. That's very awkward. Uh, of the 23 team-ups with the Justice Society, Aquaman's only in seven of them. 
<laughs> so he didn't get he didn't get to appear much, but he got to do one of the big ones, which you mentioned is the JLA two hundred seven through two hundred nine. That's a big big one. So he's yeah. he's in that one. Uh, and Mira does make an appearance in the book in Justice League number eighty eight. She's on the adventure with the team, and she looks great with the team. She <laughs> looks absolutely perfect. She would fit, she looked she absolutely fit in with the Justice League. She looks like she would have been a great member. And now they were all the big thing on no duplicating powers and all that nonsense, which is silly because if you're on a team with Superman, there's duplicating powers. But, uh, you know, that, that that was the reason they kept her out until they added Hawkgirl and then they got, got rid of all that. But uh, yeah. I, I would have I loved to have seen, like, Mara and Firehawk on the team at different points. Sure. That would have been nice. That would have been terrific. If they needed more female members, that would have been great. So, you know, yeah. I, I, mentioned, I mentioned this one more, one more thing before. Uh, it was interesting. During Blackest Night, there was an interesting relationship they were developing. And, and I wonder if it was supposed to go somewhere between Mara and uh, Jason Rush Firestorm. Like, they became pals mm-hmm. during Blackest Night, and she was sort of looking out for him and stuff. And that was a really interesting friendship that I think it seemed like he was going to go somewhere with it, but just changed directions. Yeah, that was Jeff Johns absolutely yep. bringing Mira up from the bench. That was yes. absolutely what he was doing. And he did a good job of it because he turned her into what she is now. It's going to be in the movie. She's going to be in the Justice League movie for Pete's I know. Sense. So, yeah, I mean, so Aquaman's tenure with the team is very long. Uh, he was not part of Justice League International in the beginning. He came along... Uh, in issue 35, which is, I guess, when I'll finally get to be on your show, maybe, uh, <laughs> they they talk about inviting him, and his response is, don't even ask. And he storms right. off. So there's that. But then he does later join Justice League Europe, and he's part of that team. So he was with the team on and off. And then finally, when the book was revamped yet again as JLA, Grant Morrison brought back the original seven. And it was the the classic seven characters. And basically Aquaman has been in every version of Justice League since then in some form or, or not. Uh, well, there was the, the, the Brad Meltzer, uh, Dwayne McDuffie era where he wasn't. But uh, I will say – I was going to say about the Grant Morrison Justice League though. I think between Peter David and Grant Morrison's Justice League uh, or JLA, that did more for Aquaman in the 90s than just about anything. I mean those two really yep. made Aquaman almost a household name again. I mean I have – from the 90s, a mac and cheese box from mm-hmm. Kraft that actually has a hook-handed Aquaman on the cover in animation form long before he appeared in any of the cartoons. It was just what they were speculating he would look like as part of the Timverse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I have that mac and cheese. I mean, Aquaman became a household character by that point. So I, I think the JLA had a lot to do with that, maybe even more so than the Peter David Aquaman, really, series, because uh, the JLA was so, so high-profile. Yeah, and it, was, then, um, it was great. It was a great. It was great to have him back. There's no doubt. I I picked up the book from the first issue and I read it for I don't know like five or six years straight. And the new Fifty Two Justice League has also done quite a bit for Aquaman. I mean, yes. it started off weak, but then you get to throw you know or at least Aquaman's appearances. But then you get the Throne of Atlantis. Woof. I mean, that was really. I mean, he had an animated movie out of that. You know, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. So it's gonna be good the star stuff. of his own movie. And you know, I guess we do have some Aquaman news because the release date of the movie got pushed back. Uh-oh. From uh, no 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 no, this is actually good news. It was originally scheduled for, I think, early November 2018, and it is now basically Christmas 2018. Ooh, you know that's the prime slot. That Christmas is your big slot, and the reason it got Ooh. moved is because Avatar 2, which is never going to happen, uh, has been delayed. So D- Warner Brothers took that opportunity to push Aquaman back, and so to me, you yeah, usually when you hear a movie's been delayed, that's normally a bad sign. But the movie's been given the primo 
box office slot for Christmas. So they must be very, very confident of what they've got on hand. Of course, none of this, you know, we, until Wonder Woman comes out, all of this is, <laughs> all of this is, all of this is up in the air. But, uh, but th- that's a definite sign of confidence in the, in the, the team making the movie to give it that big of a, a release date. Well, the good news for the Aquaman thing is at least they're filming that movie already. Whereas, you know, the other Justice League movies, the Flash movie, the Cyborg movie, all those are the still... The Batman like, movie. <laughs> that's a whole different scenario there. But at least the other ones are, the other ones are in the pipeline, though. Mm-hmm. And if the Wonder Woman movie tanks and the Aquaman movie tanks, those movies are never going to happen. At least the Aquaman movie is being filmed, so they're probably going to want to make at least their money back on that. So it will get released. Um, it is interesting that now it's going going to go head-to-head with the Star Wars movie, though. You know? Well, I don't scary. know that it is because Star Wars, because Han Solo, the Han, we're we're now way off Justice League here, but the Han Solo movie is coming out in May in 2018. So I don't know if they're doing a Christmas movie. That'll that'll get moved. Uh, Disney owns, Dis, you know, December with Star Wars right now. I mean, they've done what three years in a row. Uh, two. With Star Wars. They, two. Well, I mean, the third one this year. But, oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. So they're going to have three years in a row of Christmas Star Wars movies, and I thought they wanted to do a little consistency where they always had a Christmas Star Wars movie. So i got to imagine 2018 will still see a Star Wars movie of some sort. Maybe so. All right. Well, as you said, we're far, far off the reservation here. So anyway, I mean, yeah, Justice League growing up, it was my favorite title. It was was the number one book I bought. Uh, Sometimes if there was an Aquaman comic and a Justice League comic, I almost sometimes would buy Justice League. I never missed it. And him being part of the team was one of the reasons I loved the character so much. I loved that he was part of the group. Everything about him, uh, I liked how he was written. I loved the way Jerry Conway handled him. I thought Jerry got, did a lot of great... I mean, he made him kind of stern at times. There's a great issue. One In uh, Jerry's very first issue of Justice League, number 151, as actually his first issue as the regular writer, he gets into a, a, an argument with Hawkgirl, which is great. It's like a really good... Where Hawkgirl says, don't tell me my job, Aquaman. That's a really great <laughs> moment. Yeah, step off. Uh, so I always liked the way Jerry handled uh, Aquaman, and so the, he is... You know, to me, him and the Justice League are inextricably linked, and uh, that's it's uh, a great thing. It's a reason that I love the title so much is because I love Aquaman, I love the Justice League, I love them together. And I've always loved the Justice League. I love the characters. I love the the whole package. But for me, the Justice League is sort of Firestorm's safe place. You know, when the world is, turns cold and his series gets canceled, the Justice League will always take him in, and I appreciate that. And I, I love his adventures there. As you said, they seem to be married to one another, and it seems to be that's where Firestorm belongs. So it always makes me happy when he joins the team. It was exciting for me with the New 52. As, as much as the New 52 is, you know, take it or leave it, it was exciting to be a reader and be there when Firestorm joins the team to, to open that last page and go, you know, welcome new members. And I'm like, ah! So very exciting and uh, lo- love it very much. Can yeah. I say one last thing about the Firestorm issue? I will say that no. number one. Okay. Wrap it up. Wrap <laughs> Go show ahead. Fine. No, it's 179. Uh, that comic. The Satin Satan. Satin Satan. <laughs> First of all, she absolutely needs to be in a cartoon for that well, one. Uh, have you seen uh, Zoom's, Zoom's Who entry he did for her? Hubba, yes, hubba. I did. Yes, I did. Anyway, 179 is a mountain comic. I bought it in the mountains. <laughs> it's a beloved comic. And one of the reasons I love that comic so much is that in the days when, you know, comics were on the newsstand and, you know, back issues did not exist, at least as far as I knew, when I got to see glimpses of JLA history, it was so cool. And JLA 179 features that. 
because there's a moment where Red Tornado notices that Firestorm is bored because Batman is going on and on with his PowerPoint presentation. And <laughs> Red Tornado has a flashback to the history of the League. And we get to see the original members and then all the later members joining. And it was like a nice one-page summary of the history of the team. And when I was a kid, I ate that stuff up because it was like these are like sort of you know moments of the team I don't get to see. Because they they happened before I was around, so that's that's one of my favorite moments of that comic is just seeing the history of the team, seeing Martian Manhunter again, and and everybody joining. I thought that was that was really cool. That is great, and I, I love in of that same issue. I love the cover by Jim Starlin, which <laughs> Super is sort Dickery. of like this total Superman dickery, where Superman's basically saying, "Fires from joining the team, whether you like it or not." And he's pointing <laughs> at the rest of the league, and it's almost like it's a little bit of meta, as if like Jerry Conway is Superman in that scene, basically saying. <laughs> My character's coming onto this team, whether you editors like it or not. So uh, I, I love it. So super fun. Super, super fun. All right, Rob, I think we've gone on quite long enough. Why don't you tell the folks at home uh, where they can see uh, – well, are we going to do a gallery post for this one? I think we should. It's, it's, that's your responsibility, so I think we should. <laughs> Maybe some covers. Maybe we'll do some covers is what we'll do. Why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find that? Go to our website, firewaterpodcast.com, and alongside this post, this uh, yeah, this post, we will have a gallery post we're featuring images where you can see some of the covers we're talking about. Fantastic. And then be sure to hit up Rob on the social medias as Aquaman Shrine on Facebook and Twitter. He's also got like 18 other Twitter handles. Just pick any random handle you see on Twitter. It's a good chance it's his. Uh, you can find me as Firestorm Fan on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, most importantly, though, as Rob mentioned, go to our website. You can find the entry for this post and leave your comments there. Let us know your favorite Aquaman and Firestorm moments with the Justice League and uh, what you think about their just long storied history with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the organization. So We need to cover 203 through 205 because Aquaman and Firestorm have a scene together. Oh, it's, oh, oh! I, I, well, that's the scene you and I did that crossover years ago on our blogs, yes, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we actually I mean, do need to cover that. I made up this whole story about how Ronnie was hot for Mara and stuff. Uh, yeah. That's right. Fun stuff. All right, folks. I think it's going to do it. Until next time, fan the flame. And ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Plastic and Water Podcast. I'm Max Romero from the It's Plastic Man blog, and with me as always is my co-host Rob Kelly. How you doing, Rob? I'm great, Max. Always happy to be podcasting with you. Can you believe we've done over 400 episodes? It's amazing. Thanks to all you plastic subs out there for tuning in. On this week's show, we'll continue our look back at classic Plastic Man and Aquaman comics from the 60s. When last we left the stretchable sleuth...